Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, I was just reading some of the uh, the comments that appeared before I hit the go live button, which uh, don't show up for me on my normal screen, so I had to go look on YouTube. And uh, very encouraged. Uh, Carol, Keith, Karen, good morning, all of you. And uh, I appreciate the uh, the willingness that you all have to learn and to dig in and uh, to never stop learning and growing. Uh, you know, when I challenge you with hard questions, it's because the Lord is challenging me with hard questions as I think about and study these things. Today, I don't think you're going to find this as challenging in the same way as yesterday, but very, very hopeful. Uh, We are so easily discouraged, and there's plenty as we look around us, plenty of reason to have concerns, to be discouraged. Uh, You know, we, we kind of get zoned in on our lives and the difficulties that come when things are challenging. And, uh, and we can step back a little bit and look at our culture, our nation. We see just some of the nonsense that's going on from our uh, political leaders. Uh, Isaiah, God said through Isaiah to Israel that part of their judgment would be that uh, they would be ruled over by infants and, uh, and, and women. And we, we sort of see the same thing happening here in America, don't we? We, we look at uh, just almost all of them, not, not just one political leader, but we look at the whole mess of them at times and you think, oh Lord, are you judging us here in America with just these infantile, uh, wicked people? And it's easy to become very discouraged about that. And we kind of come to Friday. We think, "Oh, it's the weekend. I just want to, I just want to get away from it all, and have a good time." But that's not the Christian view of history and the world. Today, we're going to step back. We're going to continue in Philippians, but we're going to step back and see that Paul has set his sights on the true. God perspective of history and where this is all going. And that is going to give us great hope and great courage and great purpose in what we do today. So with that as an introduction, welcome everybody. Glad that you are with us. Uh, Good morning, folks. Uh, My name is Doug. We gather here Monday through Friday at 730 a.m. Mountain Time. We're live on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter, and uh, we just study the Word, study the Bible together, and we are making our way through Paul's letter to the Philippians. So we are glad you, you are here. And it is Friday, and we're excited to, uh, at least I am, to uh, get into the weekend. Uh, but there's a whole Friday ahead of us, so don't give up on this day. And remember, today's a good day. No matter what you think of what happened yesterday, uh, personally or politically or whatever, today is a new day. The mercies of the Lord are new today. And it's a good day because Jesus Christ made this day. So I'm going to say... A scripture you know, and I want you to repeat after me your part, and let's declare aloud that today is a good day. Are you ready? This is the day the Lord has made, and you will say, we will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Let's do that. So let's look at the uh, the letter uh, that Paul wrote to the Philippians, and just by way of quick review, uh, Paul has said everything that he's accomplished in life, he puts in this category of, of loss. It actually reduces his net worth. When he looks at his wealth, all of his accomplishments in life 
they go in the category of detracting from his wealth. The only thing in the gain category is knowing the Messiah, knowing Christ. And he explains some of the benefit of knowing Christ. He said, we looked at this last couple of days, being found in Christ means he has a righteousness that is not his own. He receives the righteousness of Jesus, who is perfect. And then yesterday he said, I want to be found in him. I want to know him. And this is what we looked at. He says, and I want to know the power of his resurrection, resurrection power for holy living. And he wants to know, he wants to have fellowship with the sufferings of Jesus. He wants to actually partake of those sufferings, to to be a partner. Uh, We use the illustration of being a business partner where you buy in, you invest your money and your time uh, with someone else to to accomplish a goal. Well, what he what Paul is investing his time and his money in is the sufferings of Christ. Suffering that, that that's not what we always think about, but that's that's what he wants, and he wants to be conformed to the death of Jesus. Now we read those things, we hear those things, and it sounds hard. As some have already said, I mentioned at the beginning some of the, the comments that have already been made on, uh, on YouTube here. Uh, these are challenging questions, challenging concepts, because when we think of struggling against sin, we think of suffering and being conformed to death. All of that is uh, it's not the kind of thing that we tend to, to dwell on and want to focus on. But Paul has an end in view. There's a reason for this. He's not a masochist. He's not just looking for hard things. Uh, That's that's not the point. But he knows where this is all going. And this is what has to drive us in our pursuit of Christ and our endurance in the hard things of life. And it's what he says in verse 11 here. All of this is in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. This is where it's all going. Resurrection from the dead. Paul knows that. And he says, I want to know Messiah because the end result of knowing Christ is resurrection from the dead. Now, let me just put this question before you. How often, when you think of the end, when you think of the end of your journey, do you think, I'm going to die and go to heaven? Isn't that what we usually think? Especially when life gets hard, when things are difficult, when you know we lose a job, we lose a loved one, or we're just dissatisfied. We think, oh, Lord, come Jesus. Uh, Lord, come quickly. And what we mean by that usually is, just put an end to all this. I want to be done with the hard things. Do you realize the Bible doesn't say very much about dying and going to heaven? There's a little bit. Paul will, will speak to this in, uh, in 2 Corinthians, to be absent from the bodies, to be with the Lord. And, and he already said something like this in Philippians. He said, I'm torn, which is better, uh, to go and be with the Lord. That would be gain. That's, uh, that's about it. There's not much else that talks about dying and go to heaven. And yet that's what we, that's what we uh, focus on and we sort of get this, this image in our head of, 
of uh, you know having being like angels, having wings, floating on clouds, and all of that. And and none of that is biblical. None of that is true. But the overwhelming discussion in the scripture about what we're waiting for is not going to heaven, but it's resurrection in the new heavens and new earth. Do you know that? Do you realize that? Our destiny is not some bodiless spiritual existence. It's to be humans on this earth forever. Now, maybe when I say this earth, you start thinking, oh no, (laughs) this earth is not so wonderful. Well, it's this earth redeemed and renewed and with a complete makeover. You've seen those shows, the the ultimate makeover, extreme makeover. It's like that, you know, on steroids. This existence, this 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 earth that we live on, it's going to be completely remade without any vestige of sin. And it's going to be glorious. And we, our bodies, are going to be remade without any vestige of sin, and it's going to be glorious. And that is where this is heading. Paul says, I want more than all other desires to attain to that resurrection. So let me pull us back a little bit. Again, we get so caught up in our lives, and you know, you've got plans today and plans tonight and plans for the weekend, probably. And when things are great, then we enjoy those plans. But then things get in the way, schedules get messed up, unforeseen circumstances, throw that all into uh, chaos, and you know now we're discouraged a little bit. Or we step back and we think, oh, what in the world's happening with our nation? We look at this nonsense about an insurrection that didn't happen, and, and our, our, our government is bankrupting our, our nation, and critical theory, and all this, this racism stuff. It's just, it's just taking over everything, and we think, oh, are the glory days of America behind us, and where are we going to be in a year, or two years, or five years? And uh, it just seems like uh, everything is getting worse and worse and worse in that sense. And then we look at the world, and think, yeah, yeah. Well, all of that, or at least some of that, there's true, there's true elements of that, and, and we may be in for some hard times. But let's step back and see the story that God has been telling since the very beginning. Will you do that with me? Will you go on this little, little reflection journey biblically? Think about how the Bible begins. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Right? That's the beginning. That's the, that's the inaugural statement of the whole thing. God created the heavens and the earth. And then he made the earth into the form it's, it's, it has now, and he made Adam and Eve. And of course, we know they rebelled against God. They, they sinned against their maker. And what was the result? Remember, God told Adam straight up, Adam, if you disobey me, I told you there's a tree there that you're not allowed to eat from. If you do, on that day, you will die. Now, we tend to jump straight to spiritual death as though that's what God meant. And that is certainly one of the results. But the word God used there is the word dying physically. What Adam would have understood him to mean is, Adam, the day you disobey me is the day you will die physically. 
but we know that Adam didn't die physically that day. Why not? Because God had mercy on him. There was a living being that did die that day. You remember? Adam and Eve clothed themselves with, uh, with leaves, and God said, nope, that's not good enough. And God made animal skins as a covering. Well, where did he get the animal skins? From an animal. An animal died that day. An animal that had not disobeyed God died that day. And God used the skins from that animal to cover Adam and Eve. Now, I don't know if you follow along with the comments, but I, I got a comment the other day from, uh, from my teaching on the Day of Atonement that someone took issue with. Um, he said, I was reading into the, uh, the Day of Atonement and substitutionary penal atonement. Well, we can argue about what actually is happening there in Leviticus, Leviticus 16 and whether or not God, uh, the priest, placed his hands on the head of the Lord's goat. And, uh, and maybe he didn't. But I'm convinced, and I will hold to this to the end, that all throughout the Old Testament and through the New Testament, the heart and soul of our hope is substitutionary atonement, the just for the unjust. If Christ did not die and pay the penalty for our sins, then we will die and pay the penalty for our sins, and that means we all go to hell. The heart and soul of the gospel is substitutionary penal atonement. And I'm convinced that we get the first picture of that in the Garden of Eden when God covered the sins of Adam and Eve with the death of an animal. He didn't kill Adam and Eve that day. He killed an animal instead in their place. But of course, eventually Adam and Eve did die because death has now been introduced and God is judging all of Adam's offspring with physical death. We're born, we live for a season, and then we die. And that's the story. We all know it. Everybody who went before us has died, and we know that we're going to die. That's the story of humanity, right? We're, we're all judged guilty in Adam. Paul makes this point in Romans chapter 5. We're all going to die because we were judged guilty in Adam. But that's not the end of the story. Do you remember why Adam named Eve Eve? Because she would be the mother of all the living. You remember the promise made to Eve. Your offspring someday will crush the serpent. Well, put on your thinking caps for a minute. God said, on the day you eat of that tree, you will die. They ate of it. And in God's curse... He says, the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. Well, how does a dead woman have offspring? You see, even in that promise that she would have a son, that she would have offspring, is grace and mercy. Eve was not going to die that day because God had a bigger story to tell. He had a different purpose and plan for humanity. He was not going to create Adam and Eve. They sinned and then he was just going to wipe them out. No, there was always a different plan. And as we read the scripture, we see this unfolding. And we get few, a few glimpses of it in the Old Testament. One is Daniel chapter 12, where God, through the angel, tells Daniel, you're going to go sleep with your fathers, meaning you're going to die. But someday those who are 
dead are going to rise again. We see a, uh, a similar statement in Isaiah chapter 26. Look what God said hundreds, 700 years before Christ. He says, your dead will live. Their corpses will rise. You who lie in the dust, awake and shout for joy, for your dew is as the dew of the dawn, and the earth will give birth to the departed spirits. You see all of this resurrection language? Yes, your, your, your forefathers have died, but their corpses will rise here. Those who lie in the dust, they will awake and shout for joy. Here, 700 years before Christ, God is saying, death is not the end. Paul writes this to the church at Rome. He says, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. So the Holy Spirit testifies with us. We are his sons. He says, if children, heirs, we're going to inherit what the sons of God inherit. He says, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Well, what does Christ inherit? What is he the heir of? He inherits the whole world. Remember he said in, uh, in, in Matthew 28, at the, after the resurrection, after his resurrection, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Psalm 2 says that the Son of God can ask the Father for the nations as his inheritance. Hebrews 1 says Jesus is the heir of the entire world. That's his inheritance, the whole universe, the world, the nations. Well, Paul says we are fellow heirs with Christ. We are going to inherit the nations and the world. How can we do that if we're dead? Death can't be the end. We are fellow heirs with Christ if we suffer with him. See, there's this constant connection between suffering now and inheriting the world the, the nations. Death is not the end, but suffering is part of getting to that place where we will inherit the earth. He says, for I consider that the sufferings of the present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And here's where we think, oh, he's talking about heaven, right? No, look, for the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. Notice that. He's, he's personifying creation. Think, you know, trees and animals and mountains and sky, all of this. Creation has this longing, he says. Well, what are they waiting for? They're waiting for the sons of God to be revealed. Those who will inherit the earth with Christ. That's us. Then he says this, for the creation was subjected to futility. Now, those of you who are with us in the Ecclesiastes study, you should think something. You think futility, vapor, right? Mist, something that's here and then dissipates quickly. The meaninglessness that, that, that life is. All of creation, Paul says, was subjected to this this vaporous existence. Notice the phrasing, was subjected. Somebody else subjected creation to this futility. They didn't, creation didn't do it willingly. The world didn't say, hey, we want to become vaporous and futile. No, someone else subjected it to that. Who? Well, God did. 
When Adam and Eve fell, when they sinned, God cursed all of creation to this futile existence. This is why things die. This is why things deteriorate. This is why atrophy is true, uh, and uh, or atrophy, and uh, and and the second law of thermodynamics, and everything's winding down because God has cursed creation. They, it was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it. But it was subjected to futility in hope. Death and decay was never the final stage. That creation itself would also be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pain of childbirth until now. Now, as a man, I can only relate to this indirectly. But some of you who are women can relate to this this analogy he uses very very directly in firsthand experience. Think about what it was like for you when you were pregnant. And at first there's the hope and the joy. And then as the reality of the pain and suffering of childbirth sets in, right? And, and your body starts aching and those last stages where your back hurts and everything hurts and, and it's hard to sleep and, and it's just you're waiting. And then the actual travail of labor and delivery, some it happens relatively quickly, but certainly painfully. For others, it goes on hours and hours, days even, and it's intense and there's screaming and groaning. And and I, I just, again, I watched my wife do this three times. I can only imagine what it was like on her end. And in those moments, it, it's just a, a pain and suffering and, and, and experience that you just want to be done with. But what's the end result? This child... And the joy makes the travail and the suffering completely worth it. Where you forget the pain and suffering. And all you do is glory and, and, and rejoice in this birth. That's the image Paul used here. All of creation, he said, all of it will be set free from slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. We are in this child childbirthing stage. We're in the groaning and suffering. And all of creation is experiencing pain and decay and trial. But it's not a purposeless pain all that's happening in our world, all the, the political stuff and the, the wickedness and decay and, and everything that looks hard and, and evil and wicked, it is not without purpose. And our individual pain and suffering and trials are not without purpose. Where it's all heading is not simply so we can die and go to heaven. That is not the final stage. We don't really know much about that stage. The Bible doesn't give us hardly any information about what it's going to be like in the what's called the intermediate intermediate stage but we do know what the end stage is it's resurrection everything will die and be raised again the earth this earth will die and be raised again and we will live here in glorified bodies 
forever. Remember what John saw in his vision in Revelation. Here's what he saw. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there's no longer any sea. In the Jewish mind, the sea is the place of, uh, of, of anxiety and uncertainty and, and bad things happen in the sea. The first heaven, the first earth passed away. That's one we're living in. There was no sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. Lots of different metaphors here. The new Jerusalem, that's the people of God and the city of God. And, and we are the bride of Christ. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God. Again, you see the Old Testament imagery of of God's dwelling place. The tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. Uh, Again, grabbing Old Covenant uh, terminology to say he will be our God, and we will be his people, and we'll be with him forever. And here's what's going to happen in the new heavens and the new earth. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will no longer be any death. No longer any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. Those are all part of the first heavens and earth. Pain and suffering and dying. But all that's going away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Right, for these words are faithful and true. Then he said, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my, my son. Friends, that is what we are waiting for, the resurrection. Paul says, I am enduring all suffering and conformity to the death of Christ. I am striving to know Christ because all that matters to me is knowing him because I want to attain to the resurrection. That's our destiny. That's our hope. That's where we are heading. So as you head into this weekend, as you, as you live this life, as you ponder uh, what's going on in our world, the good things, the bad things, the hard things, Don't forget, don't forget what's awaiting us. It's resurrection. Someday all the hard things of this heavens and earth will be be replaced with something far beyond our ability to hope and imagine. And so we press on, as Paul will go on to say, we press on to attain to that resurrection, but it's only found in Christ. And that's why he wants to be conformed to the death of Christ. That's why he wants to experience the resurrection power to be holy because only those who strive for holiness, only those who follow Christ into his death will also join him in resurrection. So that's our hope. And I pray that today you will be glad and rejoice and see the bigger picture It's way bigger than your weekend, your family. It's way bigger than the United States of America. It's way bigger than the month of January in in this 2022. It's way bigger than, than our generation. 
the whole world is moving toward this end and all of us who are in Christ will live with him forever. So with that hope, have a great Friday. Have a great Saturday and Sunday. And come back and join us uh, Monday morning as we will continue with Paul's letter to the Philippians. Until then, grace and peace to you in the Lord Jesus.